Yes, can we thank uh, our guys? Thank you so much for leading us. Well, uh, thanks for having me, and uh, it's been a good time together. I'm excited to, uh, we've concluded through the book of Jonah, um, but Jesus is greater than Jonah. And even the book of Jonah, all the books of scripture, they all tell one story that points toward Jesus Christ. And we see God's graciousness. We see God who is slow to anger. Um, we see that he relents from sending disaster. He seeks not our destruction, but our salvation. And not just for the Ninevites, but for the whole world. And, and in fact, God went so far to provide for us the payment that would bring us back to him. And that is found in Jesus Christ. Um, just as Jonah entered the jaws of the fish, Jesus, after dying on the cross, he entered the jaws of the grave. Uh, I'd like to read to you from Matthew chapter 12, verse 40 and 41. This is where Jesus refers back to Jonah. He refers to him as a, as a prophet in the previous verse. And, and Jesus says these words in verse uh, 40 and 41 of Matthew 12. Jesus says, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the son of man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The son of man is Jesus's favorite title for himself. It's rooted in the book of Daniel. So Jesus says that he will be in three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And then he, he commends the men of Nineveh in verse 41. He says, the men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and they'll condemn it for they repented at the preaching of Jonah and now something greater than Jonah is here. As, Jesus, as Jonah entered the jaws of the fish, Jesus entered the jaws of the grave. Jonah was kept in the belly of the fish for three days. Jesus was kept for three days in the tomb in the belly of the earth. Both of them were raised again by God on the third day. And Jonah's obedience, even his reluctant obedience, led to the deliverance of the city of Nineveh. But Jesus's obedience, his obedience to the will of the Father provides deliverance for the whole world provide salvation, the opportunity for salvation for each one of us tonight. To all who would repent of their sin and who would turn to Christ as their only hope for salvation. The scripture writers, they call this, they refer to this, Paul does, he refers to it as a gift, that this is a gift that God has given. Kids, is there, is there nothing greater than a gift? When someone say, well, don't you love these words? When someone says, hey, I have something for you. And it, maybe it's wrapped in like awesome wrapping paper. Maybe it's in like a, 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 a plastic bag, like that sweatshirt and, and, uh, and that water bottle. I don't care what it's wrapped in. It's just so cool to have a gift. You think of, of why we love Christmas and, and even the month of December. There's no hiding the fact that to see gifts that are wrapped with names on them, there's just something exciting about that. Something that we anticipate, that we can't wait to open that gift, uh, to receive it, and then to enjoy it. And the Bible speaks of God's greatest gift that he offered to mankind. It's the gift of salvation through the work of Jesus Christ. Romans 6, 23, listen to this. For the wages of sin is death. Wages, those are something that we, we earn. And because of our sin, 
Uh, remember, help me out, guys. What is sin? Sin is anything we think, say, or do that displeases God or breaks God's commands. And our sin, that earns death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Uh, there's that word gift. It's also found in Ephesians 2, 8. For it is by grace you have been saved. Uh, through faith, we access God's grace through faith. When we trust God at, at who he is and what he has done. Paul says it's not of yourselves. This salvation is not something that you've earned, but it is the gift of God. There it is again. This is a gift that God has offered. Salvation is not a paycheck. It's not something that you've earned. Salvation, the forgiveness of sins, is a gift that God provides and holds out and offers to you. And it is by grace. It's not because of something you've done but it's because of who God is. And this is really important for us to understand that it's not our, our, our deeds, our good works, kids. It's not about you being a really, really good person that's gonna save you, that's gonna make God say, okay, you have, have reached a level of goodness that's good enough for God, so come on into heaven. No, in fact, there's nothing we could ever do to wash away or, or deal with our own sin. We can never be good enough for God. We can never do enough good things. Our salvation is rooted not in what we do, but in what Christ has done on our behalf. And what Christ has done on our behalf is that he has taken your sin and my sin, all of it, the sins of your past, the sins of your present, and this is mind-blowing, even the sins of our future, Christ has taken them all upon himself willingly. And he went to the cross and he took the punishment for our sin instead of us. That punishment, my sin, the punishment belongs to me, but Christ in his love and in his grace, he took that upon himself and he was killed on the cross in our place and he died as our substitute. And this is a huge word that Christ is our substitute. He, he took our place. Now, when I was playing sports, I never liked to have a substitute right? When you're playing, I, I never liked this was the motion the coach would make, you know, right? Sub. And that meant that someone was going to come in and play for me and I was going to go sit on the bench. I didn't like a substitute. But in this case, the substitute is the greatest thing that Christ has subbed in for us to take the punishment that belonged to us, that would bring us peace with God. It was put upon Jesus Christ. Who does that? Only someone who dearly loves you, who loves you fully, that he would take your place and that he would die on that cross. He paid the price. Why would God pay such a high price? It's because God really is that good. It's because God really and truly loves you and God wants you to come back to him. God, God knows that you belong with him, that we have gone astray. And so my question tonight for us to each reflect on is have you received that gift that, that God has provided for you in Jesus Christ? Have you said to God, yes, I want uh, Christ's sacrifice to be applied to my sins. I want to receive that gift. I was six years old when I was first told of the, the, the grace of Jesus Christ, when I received this gift. You remember I told you my mom and dad didn't, uh, they didn't know Jesus when I was young. But for some reason, I believe it was God's work, my mom and dad decided to put me into a Christian school. 
which was really interesting. I think they liked the structure and the discipline of this Christian school. I was not learning anything about Jesus. We did not read the Bible. We did not pray at home. So I am thankful for that Christian school that taught me about Jesus because my mom and dad weren't teaching me about Jesus. And I remember one day being in this chapel. Uh, It was on uh, Hamner Avenue uh, at Hamner Avenue Christian School in Norco, California. Right now it's a car dealership. I drive by it. And it, and, and, but there was a chapel and the floor of that chapel was made up of these big black and white like checkers. It was probably like linoleum, but I remember the floor and I remember the pews that we would sit in. They were, they were wooden pews and they were uncomfortable, but I loved whenever we'd gather into that chapel because uh, the teacher would, would tell us stories about Jesus using this high-tech flannel graph. Do you guys, do you ever remember the flannel graph? Oh man, I was mesmerized by the stories of Jesus. And, and, and then there was one day though in particular that Mrs. Burke, my teacher, she told us all, she read from us, she read to us from two different books. And the first book she read from had no words. It was just simply a book of colors like this one. And I don't know if you guys can see can you see that gold? And she opened up to this page of gold and she explained that, that, that God, God is pure and God is holy and God has always existed and, and that he created the earth, the earth and he created the heavens as well. And this is where God lives and God is pure and holy. And yet there would be, there's one thing that would keep us from God. And then she turned to this dark page and she talked about, about sin. She said that that sin separates us from a holy God. Sin is anything we think, say, or do that displeases God or breaks his laws. And the Bible says that all of us have sinned. And even as a six-year-old, I knew I had been stealing money from my mom and dad's cut. I knew what sin was and that sin would separate us from God forever. But then she told us about a wonderful plan that God had that would allow us that, that our, we wouldn't have to be punished for our sins, but instead we could have our sins forgiven. And then she turned to this page, to this color, red. And she talked about the love of Jesus Christ, that God sent his son Jesus to pay the price for our sins. And instead of punishing me, he would, that Jesus would be punished instead as my substitute, that he would be nailed to a cross and he would be killed And then they would put Jesus into a tomb. But on the third day, Jesus, God would raise Jesus from the dead and he brought him back to life. And she said, because of what Jesus has done for you, and she turned to this clean page. She said, you can have all of your sins cleansed. Not that God would just forget about them, but they would be dealt with. They would be washed, clean in God's sight. Acts 16, 31 says this, believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. And I pictured this as my heart, that my heart was stained with sin, but because of Jesus Christ and the blood that was shed on the cross, that if I put my faith in him, I would be washed clean. And that made sense to me as a six-year-old. To believe on the Lord Jesus means to trust him. To, to have faith in him, to believe in him as your only hope for salvation. 
And then she turned lastly to this, this green page and she said, now every day after this, we would grow like a tree grows. We would grow in our knowledge and our love for Jesus and that we would even grow more and more in, in how we act, that we would look more and more like, like Jesus as his Holy Spirit helps us walk in righteousness. That book, and then she opened up another book and it was a Bible. And she read to me and she taught me John three sixteen. And I learned from that one verse that God so loved the world, and that's you and me, he loved the world so much that, that he sent his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life, everlasting life. I learned that whoever would trust him with their life, that they would be forgiven of their sin and welcomed into God's family as his child and live with him forever in heaven. And not only that, that God would then send his Holy Spirit to live inside of me, to live inside of all who would trust him as savior. And that I learned that I would never ever be alone because God would always be with me. And I remember when she, she presented that and she said, what, and, but everyone needs to make their own response to Jesus, to this gift that has been offered. And I remember sitting there on that pew as a six-year-old thinking, this is the best deal ever. Jesus, he's amazing. He loves me. He loved me first. I want to love him back. And in that chapel, she invited us, anybody who wanted to choose to trust Jesus and to receive him as their savior and follow him as their Lord, she said, I'd like you to come forward. And I remember thinking as a six-year-old, I said, there's going to be a mad dash to the front of that room because who would ever turn down a deal like this? What an awesome gift. And so when she gave that invitation, I remember I started to get up from that pew and no one else in my pew, none of my friends, none of the kids in my class moved. And so I hesitated and I thought, well, they're not going. Maybe I, maybe I shouldn't go either. But I tell you guys, I was a split second. And in that moment, I remember hesitating. I said, forget you guys, I'm going up there. And I went up there and, and I remember, it, it, and I remember she, she led me, there was a couple other kids up there and, and she led us in a prayer that was something like this, where, where I, I said, God, thank you for loving me. I, I admit my sin to you and I need a savior. I need my sin forgiven. And I believe that Jesus Christ is my savior. I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sin and he rose again and so as best I know how I said God I choose to put my hope for salvation in Jesus Christ alone Jesus will you welcome me into your family and will you live with me will you help me walk in your ways forever and I remember that day and that day from then on that began my journey with God that I'm still on today and you know I went to seminary and you know what I studied? I studied theology proper. <laughs> the, I, I, I studied uh, uh, theories of atonement and the work of Christ. I, I studied hamartiology, the doctrine of sin. And this was all taught to me. And it was, it was enough for me to grasp as a child that I continue to walk in it. I received that gift. For it is by grace that we have been saved through faith. And it's not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. But can I say something true about a gift? That a gift can either be received or a gift can be rejected. 
Do you agree with that? That a gift, when it is offered, everyone must respond to that offer of a gift, to either grab hold of it or to say no thanks and, and to reject it. I was in fifth grade um, and uh, I went to the skating rink. Do you guys remember the skating rink? Um, when I, I went to a place called Cal Skate. I don't think it's there anymore in Riverside on Magnolia Avenue. Um, and it was a school field trip in fifth grade. And uh, we knew every time there was a two hour skate session, all of us around fifth grade, we knew that there was gonna be a special song that was played. And we called it Couple Skate. Anybody remember Couple Skate? And this is where you got to choose. They play sort of like a romantic song, you know, maybe a slow song. And you got to choose a girl to go and say, will you skate with me? And it was the most awkward four minutes ever. You would hold hands and get sweaty palms. And, and so this was building up and we knew, well, there was a girl in my class that I sort of liked and a uh, rumor had it, she sort of liked me too. And so we knew that skate day was coming up. And so we knew that when couple skate came up, I had this plan and everybody knew it, that I was gonna ask Alicia to skate with me. So the song came on, I think it was like, Madonna, crazy for you. or something, you know, like really weird. And so everybody gathers around because they know what's gonna happen. So I, I, I skate over to Alicia and I say, hey, uh, will you couple skate with me? Well, I think Alicia got a little nervous with everybody around and uh, she kind of freaked out and she just skated away. Oh. I know, heartbroken. So I did what every other fifth grade boy should do in that situation. I asked another girl to couple skate with me. It's funny when I tell that among men, cause I get cheers. When I tell that and there's like teenage girls are like, oh, uh, uh, you know, I'm not gonna waste a good couple skate song though. So I, I skate around, well, that sort of breaks Alicia's heart and she's pretty upset. So after that, I decide I wanna make things up to her because I really did like her. So I went over to the little like, like uh, shelf, the glass shelf with all the little trinkets you could buy. And I thought, I'm gonna buy her a gift to show her how much I care for her. And I went past the, the, the top shelf with the little rings and yo-yos. No, I need something bigger to impress her. I went to the bottom shelf and I found this is the gift. They were Michael Jackson earrings. Michael Jackson, big ones with like, I think the cover of, I don't know if it's Thriller or whatever it was. I said, that's, that's for her. It was like 10 bucks, which is like a fortune for a fifth grader. I bought those earrings and then I skated over to Alicia and everybody kind of crowded around. And I, and I extended this gift that I bought, that I paid for fully for her. It was designed for her. And I came over to her and I, and I held those earrings out to her. I said, Alicia, I got you this gift. Alicia grabbed the earrings and she threw them on the ground and said, I don't want your gift. And she skated out of my life forever. Right there. And look what she missed out on, guys. I, I pray that she's still thinking, they're like going to the night going, yeah, I should have accepted that gift. Because here's the deal. When you reject the gift, you reject the giver of the gift. And in rejecting that gift that was offered, she was rejecting me. God has offered us the gift of salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. 
and we get to respond to that. Everything I read in scripture puts that we get to choose to put our faith and our trust to believe in the Lord Jesus and we will be saved. So when does a gift really become yours? Is it when it's purchased? Does that really become yours? Is it when your name is written on it? Is it when it's maybe placed under the tree? Does the gift become yours when it's extended towards you, when it's offered to you? I say no. I believe that the gift becomes yours and you get to experience the benefits of that gift when you receive it with gratitude. When you say thank you and I receive that. And then uh, when you receive a gift, uh, you are acknowledging its existence, that this is a gift with your name on it and, and that you then make it part of your own possessions and then you get to experience its benefits. I believe that Jesus Christ and his sacrifice is sufficient to save every man and woman in the history of the world. I believe it is sufficient, but it will only be applied to those who receive that gift, to those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is a gift that either is received or rejected. John 1.12 says this, and it's written outside of Pondy Chapel. As I walked up, I saw John 1.12, yet to all who did receive Jesus, to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, that's what it means to, to receive Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God. You know, we say this, that everyone is a child of God. That's actually not theologically true. Every person is a creation of God. Every person is made in the image of God, but only those who receive Jesus Christ as their savior, they are welcomed. They are given the right to be called children of God and they're welcomed into his family forever. So what do you get when you receive the gift that Jesus offers? You get heaven. You get heaven to be with God for eternity in a place that he has designed for you. And for me, rather than eternal separation in a place that, that Jesus calls hell, we also get forgiveness. That when God saves you, he erases your guilt and your shame forever. Your sins have been paid for completely. We get God's presence. When you receive Christ as your savior, his Holy Spirit makes his home inside of you. And you are never alone. And the Holy Spirit empowers you to walk and obey in the ways of Christ. And we get God's peace. We are no longer enemies with God because of our sinful behavior. But there is peace between us and God. We get we, get, we find the purpose for our life because if God created you, he's also designed you for good works that, that he created in advance, that we get to walk in those good works and we get a fresh start. We get washed clean, a totally new person. The old is gone and the new has come and that is our new identity in Christ. But a gift can be rejected. And you have, God gives us, I believe, the, the autonomy that people can reject Christ. And what is the destiny of those who reject Christ? John tells us this in John 3, 36. Whoever believes in the Son, the Son of God, has eternal life. But whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on that person. These are the words of John, that people can reject Christ. We talked about God's wrath. God's wrath is always directed toward human sin and evil, and it is righteous wrath. God's hatred for sin is just. 
And for those who reject Christ's offer of sacrifice to, to cover our sins, that means that we remain in our sins and therefore God's wrath remains on us because of our sin. And so my question for us tonight is how about you? How about you? Have you responded to the gift of salvation offered in Jesus Christ? Many of us, uh, I may be teaching to a group of young men and older men (laughs) that have heard the story of Christ and have responded. I get it. And, And I actually believe that we don't need to be saved over and over again. When I was a kid, I can't tell you how many times I prayed again and again that Jesus would save me until I finally realized that it it, it took, that that God responds to my faith and I no longer need to keep asking Jesus to save me, but I need to trust that that God at his word. So I I don't think we need to be saved over and over and over again. But maybe you've never made your own decision to trust Christ as your savior. And something happened here at this camp a few years ago that I'll never forget. And it always gives me boldness to, to let the gospel fly and to give opportunity, like my teacher did when I was six years old, to at least make a response to the good news of Jesus Christ. We were here at high school camp. And, and I remember I gave an invitation. And at that time, uh, we invited those high school students to, to come forward if they want to make their own decision to trust Christ as their savior. And the first guy that came down was not a, a high school camper. It was one of his counselors. It was about like this 20-year-old counselor, a huge smile on his face. And he was just making a beeline for the front. And it was really exciting. But normally, if you're a youth pastor and you bring counselors to camp, usually they're not the ones that are making a decision to follow Christ. And so the youth pastor, who's a very good youth pastor, he was like stoked and excited, but also like, hey, what's going on? And this young man, 20 years old, said, I know this stuff about Jesus. You know, I've been around the church for a long time, but I never knew and I've never made my own declaration to say, Christ, I embrace you as my savior. And he said, so I'm just gonna do it tonight. And that's why I'll never assume that those of us that have just grown up with this and we understand that each one of us have made a decision. And it said that I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as my only hope for salvation. And so, Tonight, this, this whole weekend, as we've been talking about the grace of God, I want you to know the gift that is offered. This is so cool that you are with your dads as well, and maybe you've got to pray. Maybe your, your dad has told you about the good news of Christ. But maybe for those that are sons, that this would be a time you say, you know what, this makes sense to me. Like it did for me when I was six years old, and you say, I wanna make my own decision. And dads, I don't know where you've come from as well, but I, I just wanna give this opportunity and so I ask if you guys would just bow with me and, and that's where we close our eyes and we're just creating a space to where you know this is between you and the Lord. And you guys, this is not about reciting a prayer that, that I feed you because God hears the prayer of your heart. But just as I did, and I'm so thankful that Mrs. Burke gave me an opportunity when I was young. If tonight you wanna make your own decision to trust Christ as your savior, you can talk to God. In the quietness of your heart, he hears the prayer of your heart. And you might say something like this. You might want to admit your sin to God. You might want to say, God, I I need a savior. You can tell God that you believe him. You believe that Jesus 
is the Savior who came to die for your sins. That you believe the account in the scriptures that Jesus was raised again on the third day, conquering sin and death. And the best way you know how you can tell God that you choose, you make your choice to trust Jesus Christ as your only hope for salvation. That you choose to receive Jesus as your savior and that you will follow him as Lord of your life. You say, Father, welcome me into your family and help me follow you all my days. While our heads are bowed, um, I trust God knows what's going on in the heart of each one of us, but we get to, I get to rejoice. We get to pray and bless over you. And just while our heads are bowed in this safe place, if, if tonight you made your decision to trust Christ as your savior, I'd like to rejoice with you. And just one way you can let me know is if you just slip your hand up and say, this is my prayer tonight. I trusted Christ as my savior. Would you raise your hand? God bless you. Welcome to God's family. God bless you. Welcome to God's family. I see you. Welcome to God's family. And, and, and guys, I see your hands up. Welcome to God's family. My friend, God bless you. Follow Jesus the, the rest of your life. I see hands in the back too. God bless both of you guys back there. Your, your decision to embrace Christ as your savior. Young man right here, God bless you. Welcome to God's family. I see you in the back as well. God bless you. Welcome to God's family. Christ has, has died and covered your sin. A young man right here with your dad, God bless you guys. Welcome to God's family. I see your hand here, my friend, my dad, and you guys back here, God bless you. Praise God, I see your hands there too. I see hands in the back. God knows it's not about me seeing your hand if I miss. It's, it's just we get to celebrate. There's nothing greater than someone makes a decision to trust Christ as Savior. And kids, if this is your decision or your decision you prayed, you need to tell dad. You need to talk to dad about that. Walk with them as you, you, you talk with him and ask, ask dad too, how did, when did he come to know Christ? Again, as we pray and I continue, uh, Lord, the Lord knows the, the prayer of your heart. Father, thank you for your, your grace. Um, we did not deserve it. And Lord, we don't just raise a hand and then go on living our own way. God, there's a complete turn. Help us to shove, <laughs> to, to turn in ways that we are going away from you, but we would follow you. We continue this journey the rest of our, our life, Father, growing in you, telling others of the goodness of Jesus Christ. And God, that's why we sing our praises to you, that Jesus paid it all, took our sins upon himself. And so, Jesus, you died for us, so how about we live for you? How about our life as an offering, Lord, that we will join you in the good work you have for us, and even if it's you calling us to a place like Nineveh, may we not run from you but follow you to do the good work that you've prepared for us in advance. In Jesus' name, amen.